0: I firmly believe that that question that that man went around asking people is the most important question you could ever answer or ask. I could go around the neighborhood with a camera and a microphone and ask people the same exact question and probably expect the same types of answers. You would too. The only problem with those answers, and you heard it a couple times, they were asking for the opinion people's opinion about who Jesus is. I'm not really concerned about people's opinion when it comes to Jesus. What I am concerned about is the truth. And God is the only one who can give us the truth about who Jesus is. We need to listen to his word. We need to listen to what God says because if we don't, we're completely lost We're lost in this world, wandering around, trying to figure out who this Jesus guy really is. But we have a clear testimony in front of us. All we have to do is pay attention to it. And so today, in the words that we have before us for our sermon from 2 Peter 1, Peter pleads with us to look at God's testimony and see that Jesus really is who he says he is. So my question for you, not as important as who is Jesus Christ, but important nonetheless, are you paying attention to God? Let's jump in. The first three verses of of our reading, starting at verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Are you paying attention to God? Because his testimony is extremely clear. We see part of it through Peter's testimony right here. And it's extremely interesting because it sounds like a myth. It sounds like something that's made up. It sounds like a cleverly devised story so that Peter can get as many people to listen to him because it has uh, some odd things attached to it, some odd details. But Peter is very clear that he does not march to the beat of that drum A cleverly cleverly devised story is what leads people to death. It's not a game for Peter about how many people he can get to listen to him and not listen to the false teachers of the day who are making up their own cleverly devised stories about Jesus. No, it's a matter of life and death for Peter. Peter. A cleverly devised story is what led Adam and Eve into the first sin. The devil came to them and said, Did, did God really say you should not eat of the tree? You won't die if you do it. A cleverly devised story. Even though God was blatantly clear about what he expected from Adam and Eve from the get-go, they were deceived and led astray. Peter was extremely familiar with the cleverly devised myths and the stories and the opinions that the world and his heart would come up with. He saw them in his people, in his flock, as false teachers infiltrated their ranks. But Peter never stopped paying attention to God. How many people have been an eyewitness to a crime or a car crash, been called in to witness for any of those, okay? A few. I wasn't sure what the number would be on that, but it was worth a shot. Thank you. I never have been a witness to anything like that, been called to court, but I watch plenty of crime TV and that's close enough. CSI, criminal minds, NCIS, those sorts of things. The, the plot always seems to go the same way, but I love watching them. The crime happens within like the first 30 seconds, two minutes maybe, and then they spend the whole rest of the hour trying to figure out who committed the crime. And they're stuck, they're, they're, the, the case is shot until they get an eyewitness. And then all of the details seem to fall right into place because they were able to identify the face of the man. They were able to point out who that woman was with On that night, or whatever the case might have been, they bring a whole new set of details that no one else was able to see because they didn't see it. They didn't see what actually happened. And all of a sudden, the cloud of confusion rises. Peter knew what he saw in Jesus, he saw the power that Jesus had over sickness and death. He heard the loving message uh, through Jesus' sermons and his parables and his teachings. Peter felt the love that Jesus had for him, even when he messed up over and over again and in some really pretty big ways. And yet, of all of the things that Peter could point to, to show Jesus' power and his majesty and his love, He points to that one time where Jesus took him and James and John up on a mountain and blinded them with his sheer presence. Why? Why the transfiguration, Peter? Why not the crucifixion or the resurrection or or a miracle of raising someone from the dead? Well, tons of people saw Jesus perform miracles. Plenty of people heard Jesus teach and give his sermons, basically the whole town of Jerusalem, the whole city of Jerusalem witnessed his crucifixion and after he rose from the dead, we're told that more than 500 people saw him at one time. Plenty of people were eyewitnesses of Jesus, but Peter, he was one of three who saw that glorious presence on that mountain. Peter's eyewitness account is extremely unique. And so he he recalls that unique experience when he saw that blinding light and he heard that booming voice from the cloud. In that light and in that voice God was blatantly clear about who Jesus is. This is my son. And so Peter could be blatantly clear with his testimony that Jesus is really who he says he is. Why is it so important? Why is it important enough for Peter to write down again that this happened? As you saw in the video, for the most part, people are so easily deceived by, those, by the cleverly devised myths and stories of their heart. And it's just the tip of the iceberg because you've met people in your life who have been deceived, who have fallen astray. You've been in a classroom where opinion rules and truth is pushed aside. But Peter's eyewitness account is here to tell us and remind us that Jesus is truly the Son of God. He is who he says he is. He did what he said he was going to do. Jesus was not just a man with special powers. Jesus was not just God who was unable to identify with man, unable to suffer. Jesus was the perfect unity of God and man in one person. So as Peter sat down to eat a meal with Jesus because they were both hungry, Peter ate with God. As Peter looked into his friend's eyes, his teacher's eyes, he looked into the eyes of his creator. He saw God in the flesh, not just on that mountaintop, but through three years of living life with his Savior. We have, or I'm sorry, sometimes the eyewitnesses aren't enough to give enough proof for a crime. People don't believe it. They want more Evidence. They want more than just one person who saw the crime. Peter knew that. So Peter brings more evidence to the table in verse 19. He says, We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, <clears throat> and you will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. God's testimony is very clear. Not just because of what Peter says, but because of what the whole Bible says. You can take this verse one of two ways and it really doesn't matter which way you take it because both are completely valid. Either Peter is saying, if you don't believe me, at least believe the written testimony in the Old Testament that is there and it talks about the same Jesus that I saw. If you don't believe me, believe that. Or he's saying, if you do believe me, then you know that I'm talking about the same exact thing that the Old Testament talked about. It's completely reliable. My word is completely reliable because God is completely reliable. Pay attention to the prophets. Pay attention to the whole Bible because it all focuses in on Jesus, true God, true man, coming together in one person, in one body to die for your sins and open heaven for you. And so when we read the, the work of Jesus in the Bible, when we see everything pointing to him, when we pay attention to it, there's a light that shines in a dark place. The dark place is the world and the dark place is also our hearts. When we see Jesus in the scriptures, that light shines in our hearts. When Peter wrote these words, you needed a lamp in your house to get anything done at night after the sun went down because it got dark. It got gloomy. And so that little lamp would sit there and it would be like a little candle and it would show you what otherwise you wouldn't be able to see. It would help keep you safe. It would keep you from tripping over things or animals or, or loved ones. But it would also give you hope that the dawn was coming. And when that dawn came, it would light your house more than any other light ever could. And as I got to thinking about that, I thought, what a great way to look at what the Word does for us. Jesus is the light of the world. We weren't up on that mountain with Peter to see the blinding light that came to him. But we do have a glimpse. We have an idea of what it looks like. Without the clear testimony of God, we would be left to the darkening myths and stories and opinions of our heart and the world. And there's no hope there. But God gives us a glimpse to Jesus through his word. That light shines in our hearts. The word is a lamp for our feet, a light for our path, as Psalm 119 says, and it guides our feet in the footsteps of Jesus. The light shines in a dark place, but there's a dawn coming too. You know how bright the sun can get at dawn. You've seen it either on your morning walk or as you drive to work, or maybe you're just waking up and opening the blinds. But Man, can it be blinding sometimes. On my way home from the men's morning Bible breakfast at Jim's, Sometimes when I turn to go south on 183, the sun just hits me just right and I get afraid. I'm scared because I think I'm going to go off the road. So I just pull off the road safely and wait until the sun moves a little bit. In heaven, we will be blinded. But we won't have to be afraid. It won't be a, a scared sort of blindness because we're going to experience the same light that Peter, James, and John experienced on that mountaintop. It's going to be blinding, but it's going to be glorious because that source of light is Jesus, the true and eternal morning star He will bring us into eternal day, into eternal glory with him. No darkness, no sin, no death will ever touch us. We won't need any other lamp. But for now, while we're here on earth, we need to pay attention to the lamp that God has given us. Paying attention to the lamp doesn't mean just reading the words on the page, closing the book, and saying, we're done. Paying attention to the word means you're invested in it. And you believe what it actually says is true. You heard the woman in the video say that Jesus was just a myth made up to harness society to to, control mankind and I bet that she would, one, say the same thing about the Bible and, two, that she would be, she would not be alone in her opinion. But again, I'm not interested in her opinion. I'm interested in what God says about his word and about what it is. So let's see what God says about his word. Verses 20 and 21. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You know what the Bible is. It's God's will coming to us in words and language and phrases that we can read, we can understand, we can listen to them, we can talk about them. All so that we know and can confess with Peter that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that by believing in him we have life in his name. It's such an important blessing that we have. God has given this to us. And Peter finds it so important that he puts an above all before those verses or at the beginning of those verses. If you do not understand and believe that the Scripture is breathed straight from the mouth of God, you cannot believe anything else that it says. You cannot believe that Jesus is true God and true man or that he died on the cross to save you from sin or that you're going to be in heaven someday because he opened the gate for you. This is vitally important. Peter is so adamant about it and and he wants to be right, but not just for the sake of being right. He wants to be right because he wants to save souls. That's his driving goal. And it's it's, it's the same as God's. God does not have to prove himself right. He's perfect and holy in every single way, but he is immensely concerned with the eternal well-being of your soul and the soul of all the the souls of all the people of the world he wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth god and peter together with their testimony which is really the same testimony they want you to be sure of your salvation imagine this picture And some of you won't have to imagine very hard because you've lived this picture, at least part of it. A family is gathered around the bed of their father who has been fighting cancer for months and months and months, but his time on earth seems to be up. But the family has just discovered this drug, this newly approved drug that had a 99% cure rate for cancer in its test patients so they get it and they bring it to their dad and say, dad, here, take this. You'll be cured from cancer. Your troubles will be over. Father scowls and says, that's all just a hoax. Don't you understand that that's just a ploy by the drug companies to take my money and throw it away? It's probably just sugar water anyways. Keep that cure to yourself. I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with it. If you can imagine the pain that that family would go through as they watch their father succumb to cancer, even though they had the cure right there in their hands, then you can imagine how our Heavenly Father feels as he sees his created beings push away his cure in the Word, we find a 100% cure rate for the problem we call death. Yet there are people that, that push it away. They take it as some college campus poll that you can have an opinion about and you can just live your life that way. But it's not, it's not that simple. It's eternity. Eternity in heaven or hell. Life or death. So, God has given us this message not to prove ourselves right, but to ensure us, ensure yourself that you are saved and to ensure other people that they have a cure for death. They don't have to fear it. So, when you go out and tell people about Jesus, don't say, I'm right, you're wrong and you're going to burn in hell if you don't listen to me. Probably more harm than good there. But knowing the power of that this word has because of what Jesus did. Go out and save souls. You know what the power of Jesus, what the majesty, the glory, the love of Jesus has accomplished in your life. So go and take that soul-saving, life-changing message out to other people. Instead of worrying about how to argue with your Hindu neighbor, about which religion has more historical evidence or which one makes more sense logically, why not look at that neighbor's soul? Find his greatest need. You won't have to look very hard because you know that it's a Savior. He needs desperately a Savior from his sin, from his trouble, from all the pain in his life, and you have it. You have that solution. He's been so easily swayed by that cleverly devised story. You can bring him back on track all by the power of the Spirit, all because of what Jesus has done. There will be times, plenty of times, where you tell your Jewish, Hindu, Buddhist, Mormon, Muslim neighbor, about this message and they'll scoff. They'll push back. They'll say, it's not for me. Keep it to yourself. The college professor will laugh off God's testimony, his written testimony of creation. The world will chuckle and sneer at the thought of a God coming down to die for the whole world and pay for their sins. But don't let any of that pull you astray from the truth. You know that it's true. Peter knew that it was true. Now go. Go out and act like you know it's true and give that soul-saving power. Give that 100% cure rate to the people you love and the people of the world. Let them know Jesus loves them. He wants them to experience his glory with him In heaven. So, are you paying attention? Amen.